You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. And I'm just wondering, I was saying, I wonder if, if, if there are those of us who have never been in a relationship that's based on affection, that has affection shown. Maybe some of you are in a marriage that, that, that there isn't any affection shown. Maybe some of you were raised in a childhood, in a home, that, that there wasn't affection or tenderness shown. Don't you love that we have a God who set his affections on us, who, who set his love on us. I, I, I just love that. It just ministers to my heart. The word of God says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We talked a bit last week, and Don, I know you're busy, but can we get the tabernacle back up on the screen? We talked a bit last week about the tabernacle. For those of you that weren't here, I would just like to review that just for a second, because this whole passage, uh, as we study it in the next couple weeks, it's going to be advantageous to you to understand the tabernacle. You'll remember, just in way of review, you'll remember that Moses, God said to Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle a portable place where I can dwell among my people. And God gave him very specific directions about how to do that. And, and we covered this last week, but I'm going to go over it with you again. I, I beat myself up all last week on the way home because I, don't, I didn't feel like I made this clear enough to you. And, and so I'm not going to beat myself up again tonight, so you're going to listen to it one more time. But, but I just want to talk about how God said this is going to be a place... This is going to be a place where I can dwell. My people, I want to dwell among my people. Do you know that he wants to dwell among you? He doesn't want to be a far off distant God. For some of you, that's where you've kept him. Maybe you, you came to Christ. Maybe you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're just going to church and you've never made that decision. But can I tell you that he doesn't want to be a far off distant God? He wants to be a God who dwells among you and in you. And you, the Bible says, are the temple or the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. When you and I get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells. He takes up residency within us. The word is he tabernacles within us. And so now this picture that I'm going to show you uh, uh, about the Israelites and Moses, it's a picture of what we are inside. Are you following me? And so uh, the first thing that God said is, when the people come into my tabernacle, uh, to enter, enter into this tabernacle, I want them to be met with this bronze altar. There was a priest who was running all of this, and the priest, the people could not approach God. They had to have a priest to approach him on their behalf, a mediator. You and I know that, that the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator now. We no longer need to go to a priest. We don't need to confess to a priest. We've got Jesus, and he is the mediator. Mediator for us. The Bible says that you and I are the royal priesthood now. Uh, we don't need a mediator. He says that when he died on the cross of Calvary, the veil was rent so that we could now come what? boldly and confidently into his presence. We don't need somebody else to check in for us and then come and tell us what God said. You and I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Isn't it a shame 
that we don't, we don't take more, um, we, we don't take more, we don't take him up on that privilege more often than we, than, than we do. It, it, it grieves my soul to know that, that some of us are just going through the motions of coming to church and, and we never ever get to that deep place with God. And, and that's what this passage that we're studying is all about, getting to that deep place with God. But in the time of Moses, when this tabernacle was being used, they, they needed a priest to mediate. So now keep in mind, we no longer need that priest we have Jesus and now we can come boldly because of him but this bronze altar was a place where people had to bring their sacrifice they presented a sacrifice to the priest because there must be death the wages of sin is what death and so because they sinned we all sin there has to be a sacrifice to pay the punishment death for, for us, instead of, of, of us paying the price, instead of us uh, taking the death, God says, I'll let, I'll let you have a substitute. Bring another sacrifice. It has to be a perfect sacrifice. And, and, and that's what they would do. They would bring a perfect sacrifice to be the substitute for them. Uh, the, the priest would, would slaughter it on this altar. The blood would flow. The wrath of God is satisfied. Do you see that? And that is what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we no longer need to bring the sacrifice. We just are, we're bringing a sacrifice of praise now that we don't have to go find an animal that's perfect and, and have that sacrifice for us all the time. We found the once and for all sacrifice, and his name is Jesus, and he took the wages of sin, death, for us. He died on the cross of Calvary. The last words he spoke on the cross of Calvary were what? It is finished. Rhea Briscoe's sin debt is finished on the cross of Calvary. Dave Vogel's sin debt finished on the cross of Calvary. Dave doesn't need to pay the price anymore. I don't need to pay the price anymore. It's been satisfied on the cross of Calvary. You following me? Are you with me? It's important that you stay with me because this is going to be vital for what we're studying. And so the priest would then leave the altar, and now he's got blood on his hands, and who knows, we have blood on our hands. And we've been cleansed. I referred last week to, to Peter where, where Jesus came to wash his feet, and Peter said, oh, no, Jesus, if you're going to wash my feet, wash it all. And he said, you've already been washed, Peter. When we came to Christ, we were washed. The blood of the Lamb washed us. It cleansed us from all unrighteousness. But who knows that when we walk through life, our feet get dirty, do they not? We pick up dirt as we go through life. And, and I talked about the importance of still. The Bible says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The priest would stop at that, la that labor and he would wash his feet and his hands and cleanse himself before entering the presence of God. The importance, I'm just going to tell you, we, we, uh, yes, your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and, fu past, present, and future. But, but I won't, uh, maybe you will, but I won't rush boldly into his presence before I stop and wash. Before I say, Lord, I don't ever want to take for granted what you did for me on the cross of Calvary. I know that my sins are paid for, past, present, and future. But I just want to stop, Lord, because I've been getting my feet dirty lately. And, and I've been doing some things I shouldn't be doing. And Lord, before I rush into your presence, I need to stop and wash. I need to stop and just ask you to cleanse me again, Lord God, of all this garbage. It's not necessary. I think so much of that is more for me to remind me what he's forgiven me for. 
and to keep my heart appreciative for what he's done for me. And so after washing, the priest would come into this place, and it was called the holy place. And I said last week, this is where 95% of Christians, I believe, live, in the holy place. It's coming into that place where God dwells. See, God dwells over here in the holy of holies. But, but the holy place, the priest would come to that first. And in the holy place was the table of showbread. And I talked about the bread being the bread of life, the the word of God and how so often we're satisfied to just come to church, study the word of God. I'm doing my duty. The candlestick was also there, the lampstand that's symbolic of the church. And I talk about how we as Christians, we come into God's presence and we meet him in the church. We meet him in the word of God. And then we meet him here, the altar of incense, which is prayer. That's where most of us are happy to live. I don't know about you, but when the, when the Bible says, he who dwells in the shelter, the secret place of the Most High, the secret place is this place right here, the Holy of Holies. It was also called the secret place. And that was the place, there was a veil separating the Holy of Holies from the holy place. When Christ died on the cross, he said, this is the veil that got rent so that we could come boldly. See, the priest could only come in there once a year. Do you know that they wore bells on the bottom of their robes? Do you know why? Because the presence of God was so powerful uh, that, that they, let the, they wanted the bells on the bottom of their robe because they thought that they would just collapse or, or fall dead in the presence of his glory. That's how strong God's glory is. I wonder if you've ever gotten to that place uh, of God's glory just being so powerful and so strong in your life. I will tell you if you ever experience that, if you ever taste that secret place, the place where his glory falls out. My mama used to say to me, Rhea, I want to be under the spirit spout where his glory comes out. Don't you want to live there? I want to live in that place under the spout where his glory comes out. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy going to church and praying and reading the word. I, that's fine. I can go there, but I want to go deeper. You see, this is going deeper. See, you got to you gotta progress forward to get to the holy of holies. It's a deeper place and it requires work. Anybody know that requires work to go deeper. Somebody said to me last week, Rhea, that's kind of a works mentality. No, it's not. It's saying, God, I want everything of you that I can possibly get. This right here is where the works mentality comes in. I've got to pay the price. I've got to work to, to earn the right to enter your presence. No, Christ did that work for us. That's where the works mentality is. People thinking, I've got to do something to be good enough to get into God's presence. No, that was satisfied by Christ. It's no longer a works mentality. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to go to church. and I, I don't have to give my money. It's not a works mentality. It's by, by, by grace that you've been saved. And not by works so that no man can boast. But I'm going to tell you what. It takes some work to get from the holy place, that place where we get satisfied. I, I'm, if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm quite satisfied with that. I still want to live the way I want to live. You know what? I, I just, I, I'm just thankful that the Lord forgave me. I'm thankful for his sacrifice. I'm going to heaven. That's all that matters. But I don't know about you. I am not happy there anymore. I want to go deeper. I want to experience his glory. I want to experience the power of his presence. You see, you can taste the power of his presence in these places, 
but I want to bask in the power of his presence. And that happens when we press on. Over and over, I said to Dave the other day, we should pull the number of scriptures that talk about pressing forward. There are so many scriptures that talk about moving forward. We've got to move forward. I'll say this as tenderly as I possibly can to you. There are so many of us that are, are not pressing forward. We're stuck. We're stuck in mediocrity. We're, we're stuck in just getting by. We're, we're stuck still with one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. And I, I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied there anymore. I want this. And in this holy of holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And, and that was the place that had a mercy seat. The lid was called the mercy seat. And that was where the glory dwelled. Oh, don't you want to be where the glory dwells? I just have to go back to that. You see, some of you, I'm losing you with the glory. The glory is his presence. It's the manifestation of his presence. I, I, I will tell you, you, you'll know when you hit the glory. It, 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 you're undone in his presence. It doesn't matter to you what's going on around you. It doesn't matter who's watching you or what they're thinking about you. When you get into his presence, it's a place of transformation. It's a place of power. It's a place of fire. You don't ever, you, you see, you get a taste of God in that place and you don't ever want to look back. You don't ever want to go back. All the loves of this world, all the lusts of this world, pale in comparison to what you find in that place with him. And that's a place of, of, of dwelling. The word dwell means to, to, to sit, to inhabit, to abide there, to, to, to dwell there, to live there. I want to live in his presence. I don't want to just visit it occasionally. I, I, that was good enough for me a little while ago, but now I want to dwell there. I want to live there. I, I don't want to get in and out of his presence because I can do some stuff outside his presence. That's ugly. I've learned that about myself. Rhea outside his presence is ugly. She's, she's ugly. And, and I want to be underneath the protection, the shelter of his wing. I want to be in his presence. Do you want anybody here tonight want to be in his presence? Lord, I want to be in your presence. But this Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, it held three items. Does anybody remember what the three items were? Come on, let me hear them. They are what? The Ten Commandments? What else? Aaron's rod. And what was wrong with Aaron's rod? It was budding. Uh, uh, what was the third item? Manna spiritual food. And so I talked last week about in this place, you get to this place where it's not just bread, it's, it's the yummy stuff. It's the spiritual food. It's the stuff that really, really nourishes you. And, and, and that's the manna. And then, then the, the other thing was Aaron's rod. And I talk about how that's fruit. You see, you can have fruit here, but, but your fruit really begins to manifest in your life when you get daily time in his presence. It changes me. My yucky fruit, the fruit of the flesh. When I get in his presence, I always say to Dave, Dave, you don't need to talk to me about the ugly stuff. God talks to me about it at that table, at the Holy of Holies in the morning. He deals with me. I get some fruit in the morning and it's not foul fruit. It's not rotten fruit. It's good stuff. And, and then the, the third items, the Ten Commandments, you see, when you get to that place, you get to a place where you want to obey. I said to him, Leslie and I were praying this weekend at a conference before we went in and we were praying in our room and I said, 
God, I just want to please you. I, I just, honestly, Lord, I just want to please you. I don't want the yucky stuff in my life. I know it grieves your spirit. And Lord, I'm just asking you to give me a heart that's so tender that when I do something, if I even just think about doing something that's going to grieve you, that I feel the prick of your spirit because, Lord, I want to please you. You see, it's not a works mentality. It's not I got to do this so, so I can please God. It's that I want to do this because I've tasted your presence. I've tasted what it's like to live in your glory, and I don't ever want to go back again. Do you not know that? I just You just got to taste his glory. You got to taste his glory. And so that's what we talked about last week. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, that's a place of intimacy. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. It's a place of protection. Shelter is a protection. That place in His presence, He protects me. He protects me from myself. Can I just tell you? He protects me from bad decisions because I hear from Him in that place like I've never heard from Him before. And it's a place of, of intimacy, of cultivating and nurturing a relationship with Him. If Davy and I, if the only time we were intimate is, is this is what our intimacy looked like, we passed in the house and I said, Hey, Dave, how are you? buddy. And we, we had five minutes together every day. Would that be intimacy? We, we'd be married, all right, but we would not know intimacy. I love my intimacy with that man. I, that might be hard for you to hear, but I love my intimacy with that man. I love it because it's deep. It's, it's the Bible says that two become one. You don't even know where you start and he ends. And that's how it is in the Holy of Holies. You get to that place where you say, Lord, I just need so much of you. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm one with you. I don't even know where you start and I end, we're so one because you see we're hidden in Christ, in God. We're one with him. The Bible says as he is in heaven, so we are here on earth. One, don't you want that oneness with him? But you see, even just to, to give you the example here on earth, my husband and I, we work for intimacy. We connect, we talk, we share from the heart. We go deep with each other. Uh, we respect each other. We honor each other. We spend time with each other in each other's presence. And that's what intimacy with God looks like as well. That's how it gets built that's how it gets built. And that's what dwelling in the secret place is. You see, the devil, uh, hear me say this. The devil is not intimidated by your church attendance. He's not intimidated by the amount of money you give to the church. He's not intimidated even by how many Bible studies you attend or how much scripture you know. Do you know what intimidates the devil, the, the enemy of your soul? He's intimidated by your intimacy because he knows if you make it to that secret place, that, that holy of holies, that place of dwelling and abiding and intimacy with God, he knows you're going to be changed. He knows that, that, that you're going you're gonna to know the truth in that place and his lies are going to be exposed. You see, that's a place of protection. He can't whisper to you there. He can't reach you with his whispers there. Run, run to that place. You see, some of you are living a life of torment. You're living a life of pain, of, of, of just, you just, this mind game is always, the battle is always going on in your mind. And it's because you're never making it to that place where you hear truth, where you're underneath the protection of the shelter of his wing. 
I had a, um, I heard a, a preacher, it was Graham Cook, talk a, a couple months ago, and he was telling a story about a friend of his who was a Royal Air Force uh, in the UK. He was a Royal Air Force test pilot, and he tested all the new jets that were coming out, all the prototypes, that type of thing. And and Graham said that 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 he had this this jet that he was due to test, and and it was stripped down. You know, there was nothing in it. It was just you know, what fancy stuff wasn't in the cockpit. It was just basically the controls and wires everywhere and uh, but he was just testing it and so they said we want you to give it everything it has take it as high as it can go test out the breathing apparatus I want you to test all the gauges uh, I want you to take as high as you can and 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 she and Graham said he got to about 25,000 feet and and he heard this noise in the cockpit and he turned and he saw this little rat in his cockpit and he was nibbling on the wires and he said he knew what was going to happen if that wet rat chewed through one of his important wires. And so he radioed ground control. And he said, me to ground control quickly. I've got a rat in my cockpit. And ground control, he said, I'm going to have to bring it down because there's a rat in my cockpit. And, and ground control came back. And he said, no, no, no. Take it up higher. Take it as high as it can possibly go. Take it so high that the rat passes out. And Graham said his buddy took it so high that he almost passed out. And he looked over at the rat, and the rat was laying there dead. And, and, and when he said that story, I thought to myself, you see, we got a rat in our cockpit, people. We got a rat. You got an enemy of your soul who doesn't want you to soar. He wants you to bring it down. He wants you to crash and burn. And he's there. He's nibbling. He's nibbling. He's chewing at your life. And here's a word from the Lord for you. Take it up higher. Take it up higher. Make it to that holy of holies. That holy of holies, and I promise you that rat will pass out. He'll pass out. You see, he's not intimidated. He's not intimidated by anything but your intimacy. And when you take it up higher, you got him. You got him. The word says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide. That word abide means to lodge, to tarry, to rest, to stay, to spend the night. It, it's where the Hebrew word for hotel comes from. It, it means to, 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 it's a resting place. Anybody here need a resting place. You see, I, I know you. I've been, I've been meeting with you for, for a number of years, some of you, and I know that some of you need a place to rest from, 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 from anxiety and from fear and from intimidation. Some of you need a place to rest from, from, from just the stuff you're dealing with in your family and the attacks you're under. Some, some of you need to rest from striving, from striving. You need a resting place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will rest, will rest, not might rest, will rest. This, his presence, is a resting place. I, I can be, I can be uh, just going a million miles an hour. I can be tense. I can be stressed to the max. And I will tell you, if I just make it to the Holy of Holies, if I just say, you know, you just need to excuse me for a little bit, and I just get in the presence of God, I get in his word, I start, I start seeking his presence, I will tell you, it brings me down. It, it's a place of rest for me. And then I can go from that place and tackle what I need to tackle. My, my son Mikey, it went when, uh, when the kids were little, it's hard to raise seven children, can I just tell you, and, and hard when they're four boys and they're pounding on each other and, and just 
pure boy is what they were and 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 I would be with the, with the children at the house and they just be, be it to be hard and and I get grouchy sometimes and Mikey would go over to to the we had like a little uh, CD player in our kitchen and Mikey would go over and he'd put on my worship music because he knew it would just bring me down you see it would get me in his presence he inhabits the praises of his people it gets you in his presence and it would bring me down it's a resting place when you abide he says he who abides in the shelter of the Mo he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow a uh, shadow is a place of shade it's a place of of rest a place of protection of refuge in the shadow of the Almighty. Last week we talked about uh, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, and, and that word Most High is God Almighty. He's not just mighty, He's Almighty. He's not just high, He's Most High. He's God who can't be tackled by anyone or anything. He's got more power uh, than anything in any force of the enemy, any force of this world. He's God Almighty. And I told you we were going to begin to look at the names of God that are used in this psalm. And the next name is this one, Almighty. It means El Shaddai. It's my favorite because the story of Ruth and Naomi. Anybody know that story where, where, where Naomi and her husband, uh, we, 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 we learned this last year, Naomi and her husband, they're in famine and they run to, to this place where they should not be because we do that when we're in famine. When, when, life looks, when life gets hard, we run to places we should not run to instead of running to the shelter and they went to to a place they shouldn't be and Naomi's or Naomi's husband died her two sons died and she stuck with her daughter-in-law Ruth and and they head back she's had a hard life it's it's stinky because you know what some of you have had a hard life and it's stinky and and they head back to her hometown and she gets there and they say oh is that Naomi and she said don't call me Naomi which means pleasant call me Mara which means bitter. And she says this, she said, for the Almighty has dealt harshly with me. Let me just, I want to get it right. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord brought me back empty. And I always chuckle when I read that because she used the word El Shaddai, Almighty there. She's saying that word El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one. And it makes me chuckle when Naomi uses that word. She said the, the Almighty has taken me out full and brought me back empty and I'm bitter because of it. And and you see, that's some of you. Your life is empty and you're bitter because of it. You, you feel like you've been stripped of life and you're bitter because of it. You feel like you've been dealt a bad hand and you're bitter because of it. And you're blaming God. You're blaming Almighty, the all-sufficient one. Not just the mighty one, the almighty one. I, I just think... Naomi, if you really believed he was all-sufficient, why in the world are you bitter? You're calling him all-sufficient, but you're marching away bitter. You see, that's what we do to God. We blame him when life gets hard, when it's been our choices that landed us in that hard place anyway. And then we want to point the finger to God and blame him instead of taking responsibility and running to the shelter of the Most High. Because I will tell you, abiding in him is a resting place. When you abide in the all-sufficient one, he's all-sufficient. Can I tell you, that man that you're looking for is not all-sufficient. That woman that you think is finally going to satisfy you is not all-sufficient. That job that you think makes you feel so good about yourself is not all-sufficient. Your bank account, I don't care how big it is, is not all-sufficient. 
Your best friend, no matter how good he or she is, is not all sufficient. Your doctor is not all sufficient. He may be good, but he's not all sufficient. Let me tell you about the all sufficient one. When you rest in him, when you abide in him, when you lodge in him, when you make him your home, I promise you he will prove to you that he is all sufficient. He is all you need. He's the great I am. Do you know? Do you know? I, I, love that, I love that this front row is filled with some of my favorite people. And I love that at their age, they're in the front row because they're going to learn bef long before I did that he's all sufficient, that he is all they need. Oh, oh! I wish I could have learned it at that age. I wish I, I, wish I would have known it at that age. It would have caused me, it would have saved me a whole lot of pain and heartache in my life. He is all sufficient. He's all you need. I've checked every place else. I've looked every, under every rock, every crevice, Every, I've looked. There's only one who's all sufficient, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. She said, hey, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. El Shaddai means it's connected to the word that's translated breast. It means one who nourishes, one who supplies, one who satisfies. It gives the picture of an infant at his mother's breast nurturing. That infant is content. He's not saying, hey, I think I'd like a cheeseburger. He's content with what he has. He could lay there all day long, take that breast away from him, and he's going to scream with everything he has. I'm telling you, that's what God wants us to find in him, a place of nourishment, a place of filling, a place of satisfaction that no other source in this world can give. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the Almighty One. He is our supply. He is the one who nourishes us. You see, some of you, when you get to that place and you taste the nourishment that God supplies, you'll never want to look anyplace else. It's a place of rest. It, 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 a baby is hungry. He's hungry that nurses you. Have you ever seen a baby that's hungry at, at his mother's breast? He's just closing his eyes and his mouth is wide open and he's ripping his head everywhere trying to find the breast to nurse on. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be that hungry for him if you're not hungry ask him to make you hungry ask him to make you hungry you see if I go home every night and I fill up on McDonald's it doesn't matter if I've got a steak and baked potatoes waiting for me at home if I've eaten junk on my way home I'm gonna be full even when a platter is set out before me with a big old honking t-bone on it you see some of you are filling yourself up with drive-by McDonald's with the drive-through fast food service and it's junk food it's junk food it's junk food, and no wonder you're not hungry for the tasty stuff. For the tasty stuff. You're feeding on porn. You're feeding on, uh, on, on worldliness. You're, you're feeding on shopping and gambling and addictions. You're feeding on drugs and alcohol. You're feeding on women and fast cars. You're, you're feeding on the next best thing that you think is going to fill you, and it's junk food. It's drive through McDonald's, and you got a steak and baked potato waiting for you in the holy of holies. Is anybody hungry tonight? Is anybody hungry tonight? Ask him to make you hungry. Ask him to make you hungry. 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide. I was curious. I, I began to look uh, when I study and I see a word that I like. I like that word abide. It means to lodge, to rest. I need to rest sometimes. I, I get tired a lot and I, I have a lot of stress in my life. I got a, I got a lot of things weighing on my shoulders and, and there just is a time where I need to find rest. I need to find a resting place. And so I was really intrigued by that word abide. And so I said, Lord, take me, take me on a treasure hunt. Can I just tell you, the word of God can be a treasure hunt for you sometimes. If I said to you, I knew where there was a hidden treasure, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to line your pockets with wealth, uh, and I, I gave you a map, would you not go searching for the hidden treasure? The Bible says that his word is a hidden treasure. Uh, and I'll tell you, the map is to the secret place. That place where you're going to get filled up with wealth that's unspeakable. Satisfaction that I can't even describe to you. And it's found in that secret place. One of the words, that, that same word abide in the Greek, it's a Greek version of that word for abide is found in John 8, 31 and 32. I want you to just turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John chapter 8. And it's verse 31 and 32. Many of you know this scripture, but you only know a portion of this scripture. For years, I, I would say to people, you're going to know the truth. I'll give you a little bit of it, and the truth will set you free. I'm going to tell him a thing or two. I'm going to tell him the truth, and the truth is going to set him free. How many of you have ever heard that scripture used that way? I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and dear Juan, the truth is going to set you free because you are deceived. I, I would always quote it that way. And, but you see, you've got to keep a scripture in context because... Because when you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. And we do that so often. We take scripture out of context. I want you to keep this one in context, beginning in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. He's saying this to us who believe in him, who say we believe in him. If you abide, there's the word, dwell, live, make your home in my word, in my word. In the Bible, when, when, the, when we talk about the word, I think sometimes I, I'm guilty of throwing out words that, that, that maybe you, some of you are saying, what's she talking about? When I talk about the word, I'm talking about the Bible. Uh, the, John describes Jesus not as a baby born in a manger. All the other gospel writers start with the birth narratives when they open their gospels up. But John, he doesn't start with the, with the birth narrative. What does he start with? In the beginning was what? The word. He calls him the word. You see, that's where we find this is his word to us. The Bible is his word. And he says, if you abide in my word, in the Bible, you are my disciples indeed. A disciple is, is one who, who wants to, to uh, who seeks to be like his teacher. It's an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. I wonder if you're accepting the instruction given to you in the word and making it your rule of conduct. You see, sometimes I think we hear the word of God. You hear it preached to you Sunday morning. You hear it preached to you in Bible study. You read it in your quiet time. But, but are you adhering to it? Are you making it your rule? of conduct. You see, it takes a choice. That's walking in the spirit. It's saying, I'm not going to do what Rhea wants to do because I got me a strong will. Anybody here have a strong will? But I need to know that I'm his disciple and a disciple follows his will and his rule of conduct, his rule of conduct. 
Are you making his word your rule of conduct? Or are you making whatever you feel like? You see, we have a soul. We have our mind, our will, our emotions, our feelings. And so many of us are governed by our feelings. Instead of doing what the Spirit says, what God's word says, we said, well, I feel like getting mad. I feel like being angry. You know what? You could choose a whole lot of other emotions, but you, you chose to choose anger. Nobody made you be angry. You chose it. You chose it. You chose to be governed by your soul, by your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, instead of adhering to his word as your rule of conduct. He says, a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What's the, what's the condition, the prerequisite? Uh, uh, what, what's the condition of being a disciple? Abiding in his what? Word. Are you, are you his disciple? Everybody here, would, would you say you're his disciples? We're his followers, are we not? Here, I need to ask you a question and just be truthful with yourself. You don't have to be truthful with me. Are you meeting the condition of being a disciple? Are you living in his word? It's in red. Don't get mad at me. It's in red. It's Jesus' word. That Take it up with him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And now you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. You see, some of you are in bondage. Some of you are in, in captivity. Some of you are not free at all. You're living in death. And, and here's, how, here's the prerequisite to getting free. If you abide in my word then you'll know the truth. You see, 95% of us are in bondage and, kept, and captive because we're living in a lie. We've listened to the enemy's lies, and we've believed them as truth, and now we're in bondage because of it. And God is saying, if you just get to that holy of holies, and you just get to the manna, the manna, do you see how abiding now in the holy of holies in that secret place we're going to taste manna, and that's abiding in his word. And when we get to that place of, uh, of his presence, of his glory, where, where the word isn't just being read, it's coming alive to us because his Holy Spirit is just teaching us and instructing us. And the Bible says you won't need a teacher. You don't, you don't need Rhea. You don't need somebody to teach you because my Holy Spirit will come and teach you. When you sit with that word in the morning, it's a supernatural word. Don't you dare open that Bible without asking the teacher to come and teach you. Don't you dare. The Bible says that the, that the the spiritual things, the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned and the natural man cannot understand them. You see, so many of you are having trouble abiding in his word and reading his word because we're approaching it in the natural man. We need to say, Lord, this is a supernatural word. I can't even begin to understand it on my own. And you promise, Lord, it's a promise. It's not one of those conditional promises. It's one of those unconditional promises. You said you'll send your Holy Spirit and he'll teach me. Lord, I'm asking you to teach me, instruct me, give me revelation of your word. You see, that's what happens when you make it to the holy place. You make it to his presence. You learn to abide in his word and revelation comes. And, and I, I told you long ago, I have that, that acrostic, I'm a rat. <laughs> Some of us just go to the word for instruction, the I. 
and, and we can't stop with instruction. We need to, to move ahead to the M. That's meditation. We need to not just read the word. Uh, we, we need to meditate on the word. And, and we can't just stop with meditation. We need to pray for the rat, the R, revelation. Lord, give me revelation. And we can't just stop with, with revelation. We, we need to go to the, to the A, which is, is um, Leslie. I'm a rat. It's in the front of my Bible. Um, application. Thank you. We need to take that word when we, are, when we have a revelation about it and we need to apply it to our life. You see, if you have a revelation, if you have understanding about what I just showed you tonight and you never leave here and apply it to your life, you are never going to get to the T, which is transformation. Don't you want to be transformed by his word? I'm a rat and there's a rat in my cockpit. Can I just tell you that? Go up higher. We need to dwell in that secret place. We need to go for the manna. It won't be hard. It won't be a duty. You see, some of you read the word and it's hard. It's a duty. You're checking it off your list. And it won't be hard when you get to the Holy of Holies. He will teach you. He will teach you. And you see, then the lies will be silenced because you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Is there any wonder why the enemy works so hard to keep it? My mom used to say, Rhea, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because he accomplishes the same thing. You see, if he makes us busy... We don't have time to get to that place. We don't have time to dwell. We don't have time to abide. And some of you, you, you know, you're not struggling with any big, deep-seated sin. You're just struggling with busyness that keeps you from the Word, that's keeping you from the Word. And, 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 and He wants to keep you from the Word. He wants to keep you lethargic. He wants to keep you focused on, on, on all the stresses in your life. He wants to keep you focused on your pain. He wants to keep you stuck in a pity party. He wants to keep you, 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 you powerless because you'll never get to that place of abiding, of that place of dwelling with the Lord. He's threatened by your intimacy because he knows if you get to that place, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free from his lies. He is the father of lies. It's his native language. It's the only thing he speaks, and the only place he can whisper to you is outside the holy place, outside that secret place, that holy of holies. Abiding is important because Jesus says it's an indication that you're a disciple. No wonder uh, we, we are addicted. No wonder we're angry. No wonder we're jealous. No wonder we're rude and impatient. No wonder we're overwhelmed and full of hate. No wonder we're, we're caught in, in the grip of, uh, 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 of, uh, of sin. It's because we've been occupied with everything other than abiding. We've been too busy to do, uh, to do what's needed. Jesus said to, to, to Martha, Martha, Martha. Mary's sitting at his feet, and, and Martha's ticked off because she is busy, and Mary's not helping her. And, and Jesus says, you got need of one thing, Martha, just one thing. Mary's doing it. She's chosen the better thing. She's abiding, Martha. You're busy. You're serving me, that's great, Martha. But you know what? Mary's chosen, chosen the better thing. Are you choosing the better thing? Or are you so busy serving him? Are you so busy going through the motions that you've forgotten how to abide? You see, when we learn to live and abide in the word, it will become a place of rest for us. The anxiety will lift. The fear will leave. The life will come. The lies will be silenced. You see, he says uh, it, that you will know the truth. 
knowing it's not just listening to somebody preach the word to you it's knowing the word for yourself you can you can there's a big difference between knowing about the truth and knowing the truth isn't there you hear about it all the time. But you see, when you get in that place of the holy of holies, there, there's a word called rhema word. A rhema word is an aha moment. It's a word that the, the Holy Spirit just speaks, and you are like, you get it deep within your soul. I'll tell you every rhema word I've ever had, it just penetrates me. It sticks with me. I don't care if I learned it 50 years ago. If it was a rhema word, it's still here. It's still in me because it penetrated me. It wasn't just a word that somebody spoke. And I said, oh, that was a good word. I, I got that. It was good. I understood it. It's different to have a rhema word. It's an aha moment. And you get those in the holy of holies. You get those in his presence, in his presence. The other word, I looked at another word. Oh, I want to go back. I I love this one. Uh, Karen, do you have your amplified with you? Could you look up a scripture for me? Lest you might have to Google it for. There's a scripture and it starts out with the measure and with the measure of thought and use and study that you give to what you have learned. It's something like that. The first part of it in the amplified is the measure of thought and study you give. Um, I want to go back to that. Just remind me. Uh, but but I was listening to Steve Sonderman teach the other a couple Sundays ago in church, and he was talking about I think it was Eleanor, and and he the word says he was fighting the Philistines, and he was fighting his enemy so hard, and he grew tired, and his hand froze to the sword. And I grabbed a pencil out of the out of the back of the chair and a little offering envelope, and I wrote on it, "Froze to the sword." Steve went on with his point, but I was stuck at "froze to the sword." I was like, Lord. You know, the Bible, the Bible is called the sword of the spirit. And I was like, oh, Lord, let me get so busy fighting the enemy with the word of God that my hand freezes to the sword. That's how I defeat the enemy. You see, you don't defeat the enemy just with, oh, oh you really should get away from me and, 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 and with your pity party of one. You defeat the enemy by abiding in his word and getting to the most holy place and, 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 and taking the sword of the spirit and using it against him and you won't ever be able to freeze your hand to the sword if you're not abiding in it. If you don't get it inside of you, get it, get it stored up within you. I want a hand that freezes to the sword. I want that Bible with me wherever I go. I'm telling you, you come to me, you see me at lunch at Panera, I I promise you, my Bible's going to be on the table with me. My hand is frozen to the sword. Sometimes, see, this hurts some people. This, some of you, you'll know you're religious when this hurts you. I'll buy me one of those $5 Bibles at, uh, what's that place called? Family Bookstore. Okay, Lord, I know I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to. Uh, and they're $5 little Bibles. And I, I want to store up the word. And sometimes I can't just carry my Bible. So I'll just rip the page out and put it in my pocket. And I'll be sitting at the grocery store and pull that page out and just put it in front of my eyes again. You know, it'll tape back in. But see, some of you, that just hurt your religious spirit. I can't believe she ripped the word out. Do you think he's concerned more about ripping that word out or me getting the word inside of my heart? I'm pretty sure he's more concerned about that one. Oh, shame on us, church, that we've become so religious that the tradition of man has become far more important to us than walking in his spirit in obedience to him. Oh, my goodness. Somebody tell me where it was. Did we find the scripture yet? Can you read it? No. 
It starts with the measure of thought and study you give to what you have learned. You have it? Dear one, come up here and bring that. Good girl. Is it the measure of thought and study? Am I imagining this or is it really? I'm pretty sure it's a scripture. Get this off the tape, Don. Let me see. Oh, darling, you're going to have to tell it to me. Oh, do you love that or what? Can you make that bigger for me so I can see it? Here, can you just, no, can you just read it in here? And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides, he will be given, will be given to you who hear. Mark 4, 24. That's in the Amplified, though. The measure of, stay here, darling. The, <laughs> the measure of thought and study you give to what you are hearing, to the truth you hear. I'm preaching truth, whether you like to hear it or not. Will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Is that right? Am I close? That's good. Got it. You are a sweetheart. <laughs> Be careful what you're hearing because the measure of thought and study, you see, you can leave here on Monday nights and you can just say, that's was, that was an okay word, you know, I didn't get much out of that, but, you know, I might buy the CD. But the measure of thought and study you give to, <laughs> that is the best giggle ever. The measure of thought and study you give to what you're learning will be the measure of, dear one, truth and virtue that comes back to you. Are you following me? Virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. The, the, the measure of thought and study that you give to what you hear here, that means the more you meditate on it and think about it after you leave here, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. If you just leave here and shrug it off and say, okay, that, I went to Monday Night Bible Study, check that one off my list, don't expect to store up too much knowledge and virtue in your life. It's the measure that you give to it. Make your hand freeze to the sword. Some of us, we're just content for crumbs. We're not willing to do the work to get free. Uh, you see, I, I get, this is, I, Leslie and I, for, oh, I don't have much time, and I so have so much more to say, but Leslie and I, when we go to these weekend things, I used to sit up, Leslie, am I exaggerating? I would sit up till one or two just praying with people, and, and, and I just hear their woes me stories, and, and it's it just, I, 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 am, I will listen to your woes me stories, but you need to listen to the truth that comes back to you, because it'll change your woes me story into a victory. And I've finally gotten to a point where I'm exhausted, I'll go to bed, I'll fall into bed at two or three in the morning, and I'm back up at, at five, uh, getting ready to go teach again, and I'm exhausted, and they're all happy, and, but, but I'm telling you what, what I've realized is those are the same people I go back the next year to the same conference, and they're the ones that have not made one speck of progress in their life, and I'm just sick and tired of it. Can I just tell you that? I said to Leslie, we're going to bed as soon as I preach from now on, because I am telling you, until you get desperate enough to apply what you're hearing to your life, you will never, ever, ever get free. I can't do the work for you. You got to do it yourself. If you want to be content for crumbs and not willing to do the work, fine. Come on Monday night and sit here. I'll smile at you. I'll even pray with you. I won't go to bed. But I am telling you this. It takes work 
to not just sit in the holy place, but to move to the holy of holies. Now, I tell you about my anger all the time. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Davy will tell you, I, am, I had a vicious mouth. I could decimate you. Um, I, you would not be left standing when I was done with you. I, I had a vicious, I hate that I had such a vicious mouth, but I did. And, and, and Dave couldn't get me free. I, I could, a preacher couldn't get me free. I don't care how good that preacher was. I couldn't get free from just hearing a sermon. And you know what I had to do? I had to start abiding in his word because when I would abide, when I lived there, then I started to know the truth instead of the lies. You see, the lie said, Rhea, you have a right. You've been done dirty. You've been messed over. You have a right. That temper is keeping you safe. It was a lie. But until I got to his word and began to abide in it, I couldn't know the truth. And the truth couldn't set me free because I didn't know it. I wasn't abiding in it. I wasn't applying it to my life. But you see, I had to do the work. The preacher man couldn't do the work for me. I had to get me a spiral notebook. I have, I have this, this shelf of little spiral notebooks. You know those three by five cards? You can buy them with spirals on the top of it. I am dripping sweat. <laughs> little spirals on the top of it and I would have an anger notebook and I would have a whatever self-controlled notebook I think I had at one time and and I would have a, a tithing notebook and, and I would have all all the scriptures that applied to that whatever it was I was struggling with so I had this anger notebook and in it I had all the scriptures I looked them all up and I wrote all the scriptures out by hand on each individual card about anger then when I felt myself starting to get angry pulled that thing out of my purse uh, I would just start to whip through that. I'd be like, hold on, Dave. I got, I'll be right back, buddy. And, and, and gritting my teeth the whole way, grabbing that notebook and just begin to, and I go through those scriptures till they got up here. Till they got up here. You see, I had to do the work. I had to say, seal your lips, Rhea. Seal your lips. A man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And it, and it was a battle for me. Dave, if you ask him, he could see the battle on my face. I wanted to let it loose. I was just like, just don't talk to me right now. I'll, I'll be back. And, and I might even had to leave the house. But I was bound and determined. I was getting free from that thing. You got to get bound and determined. How bound and determined are you? Are you content for crumbs? Are you content to just get by? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you sick and tired of being bound? Get in the word. His hand froze. It froze to the sword. There are hidden treasures stored in secret places, the Bible says. You got to go digging for secret treasures. You got to tarry long enough. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Uh, some of you are doing it, but, and that's great. I'm really glad that you are because it's, it's better than not doing anything. I'm not a fan of reading the Bible through in a year. I'm not. I, I heard Joyce Meyer say one time she did it, and it was, she had this checklist on her refrigerator, and she would be like, look how spiritual I am. I I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and I'm super spiritual, and everybody come into my house, and you can look on my, my refrigerator and see how spiritual I am, but she said, then I started getting behind, and I wasn't checking them off like I used to, and, and she said, then I thought, well, what are people going to think, so I quickly checked them off, even if I didn't read, <laughs> I, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm thrilled, if you're doing reading the Bible in a year, that's great, don't, don't get me wrong, uh, but for me, it's, 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 I'm, not a, I'm not a fan because, you, you see, I might only read two verses, two verses, 
And it might take me one, I studied the book of James with my friend Barb one year. It took us a whole year to go through five chapters. We didn't move off the book of James, but, but we take two, two verses at a time. I would chew on them all week long. She would chew on them all week long. We'd come back, get together. I'd say, here's what I found. She'd say, here's what she found. Double for her money. It never failed. She found something different than I found. It was good stuff, but it took us a year to get through the book of James. And I think there's five chapters. There might be more. I think it's only five. Leslie, look before somebody says, you said there was five and there's really six. <laughs> Get over yourself. Come on. But, but see, when you read, you're, you're, you're reading, you're striving. I'm checking this checklist off. And, and maybe that's not why you did it. That's why my type A personality would do it. And so, but see, you, the hidden treasures, the Bible says there are hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. That comes from abiding. It comes from tarrying in the word. It comes from the word meditate means to chew like a cow chews its cud. You, you, a child, cow chews its cud. He, 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 chew, he bites it and he chews and chews and chews it. He swallows it and then he vomits it back up and he chews and chews and chews and then he swallows it, vomits it back up. He chews and chews until he gets all the nutrients out of it. And you see, some of you, <laughs> you know me, some of you aren't, meditating. You're, you're plowing through it. And, and that's why you're really not getting the truth. You're not getting the hidden treasure out of it. Stay on it. Put it in your dashboard. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your pocket. Do, do whatever you need to do and just meditate on that thing all day long. And you'll find the hidden treasure stored in secret places. I, I'm going to go really quick. I've got so much to tell you, but I want it to get to the other two abide words. The other word that I looked was... Um, Oh, wait, I want to go back. Oh, please, can I just keep you a little bit later tonight? Just, I, I won't keep you much longer. But, but I want to just tell you about my son, Tyler. Have I told you this story before about Tyler having gastroparesis? Tyler is, um, he's six, about six, four, and he's got a head of curly hair like his mom and handsome as the Dickens, a little sweetheart. But he is a, a toothpick, a toothpick. And and I couldn't, when he was in high school, his hair started falling out and, and his nails were really brittle and he had this foul taste in his mouth and he kept saying, mom, this taste is just terrible. I got to do something about it. And we took him to the doctor and, and they began to do some testing on him. And what they found out was Tyler had this thing called gastroparesis and, and it meant that his stomach muscles were paralyzed. And so when he ate, because he would eat like a horse, what we couldn't understand is why he could eat the way he ate and never gain weight. And he was just, he was a, like a toothpick. And, and so um, we, we took him to the doctor and he says he has gastroparesis. And what it is, is the par paralysis of the stomach muscles. And so what would happen was he would eat this food and, and you, your, when, when the food gets to your intestine, I think it's the small intestine, that's where it begins to absorb the nutrients. And so if his food never made it to his small intestine because his muscles were paralyzed and so it never pushed it down into his intestine. Are you following me? And so what happened was the food would ferment in his stomach and it would petrify and the, the gases were coming up out of his mouth. I know it sounds gross, but I'm really going somewhere with this. The gases would come up out of his mouth. And the reason that his hair was so dry and breaking off and his nails were so bad and he was so thin was because he was malnourished. He was eating like a horse but he was malnourished because his body wasn't absorbing what he was eating. And I'm sitting in the doctor's office listening to that diagnosis, and I'm thinking to myself, that's me. That's the body of Christ. 
we're eating. You see, you're feasting on, uh, you can turn on the radio and listen to a great preacher. You can turn on your TV and listen to a preacher. Some of you have a CD and all the time listening to a preacher. You're, you're in the word. You're going to Bible study. You're eating. You're feasting, feasting, feasting on the word, on the food, the spiritual food. But you see, you're not meditating on it. You're not letting your, you're not absorbing it. You're not, you're not chewing on it and letting, getting all the nutrients out of it. And you're spiritually malnourished. That's why the church is fat. We're fat with, with great preachers. We're fat with conferences. We're fat with, with being able to, to access anything on the internet as, as far as the word of God goes that we want. And, and, and we're spiritually fat, but we're, not, we're malnourished. We're not staying with the word and letting it really get absorbed in us. Another abide scripture was John 15, 5. You know that scripture. Jesus said, he who abides, who dwells, who lives in me will bear much. What? What's the other thing in the Holy of Holy and the Ark of the Covenant? Aaron's rod, which is fruit. He who abides, who lives, who dwells in me will bear much fruit. Don't you love that Aaron's rod, symbolic of fruit, is in the Holy of Holies? That's where we abide. That's where we, we dwell. We learn to live. He, the other scripture was, um, um, he who, I just want to make sure I quote it right. It was in John as well. Now he who, who keeps his commandments abides in him. What's the other thing in the Holy of in the Ark of the Covenant? Ten Commandments. He who keeps my time, you learn obedience there. Not because it's a, it's, a, it's a striving, not because it's a works mentality, but because you want to please him. You want to live in his presence. You want to dwell there. You find it. You learn about him there. Do you just love it? Do you love it? He says, I will say of the Lord... You, let's go back to, to finish this Psalm 91, and then I'm finishing, because I want to get on to verse 2 next week. I will say of the Lord, he is my, my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him I trust. I will what? Say of the Lord. He is, it's personal. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. I will say, Rhea won't say it for me. Uh, Pastor so-and-so won't say it for me. I have to come to a point of taking responsibility of saying what God says. God, you say you're my refuge. God, you say my fortress. I am going to start saying what you're saying. You see, that's what confession is. Confession is saying what God says. That's what faith is. Faith is saying what God says, whether you see it or not. And you see some of you you're feeling unsafe right now. You're, you're facing some difficult circumstances. Your life is falling apart. It's a hard time. And you just, you just feel like, what else can happen? You've got to, instead of start, start confessing what the enemy's saying, you need to start saying what God is saying. I will say of the Lord, whether I feel like it or not, you are my refuge. You're my safe place, Lord. You are my help in time of trouble. I will say, we've got to start speaking what his word says. I, te I, I tell you that all the time, but I, I know you're getting sick of hearing it. But we have got to start confessing the word of God. We've got to start agreeing with what God says, with what God says, instead of what the enemy says. You've got to get this scripture in you till you get to a point where you start believing it with everything you have, and that's what comes out of you. When you're fearful, when you're in a difficult place, when you're in danger, automatically, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my very present help in times of trouble. Do you see it? If you say it long enough, you're going to start 
believing it. Watch your mouth this week. Let me challenge you to watch what's coming out of your mouth. Instead of speaking what the enemy's speaking, start speaking what God speaks. Thank you, Lord, that no terror will come near my house. Thank you that no pestilence can come near me. Thank you that you send your angels charge over me. Do you see, if you start saying what he's saying, get this scripture in you, get this passage in you as we teach. It's good stuff. Is this good stuff or is it just me? It's good stuff. I love it. So, Father, I pray that you bless my, my brothers and my sisters. I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us how to abide, that you teach us how to dwell, Lord God that you get us to that, that most holy place, Lord, and in that place we would begin to experience you like we've never experienced you before. Bring this word alive to us, Lord. Let it come alive. We want to learn, Lord. We're expectant. We're expectant, Lord. We want the hidden treasures, the riches stored in secret places. Take us to that place, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.